You know, one of the things that's perhaps the most immovable in our sight is that bridge that we cross over. How many of you have heard that old saying that my mama taught me? Don't burn bridges behind you because you never know when you might need to cross over them again. How many of y'all heard that before? Amen? Well, I'm getting ready to confound everything you've been taught. Amen? See, often we face difficult times, and when we face those difficult times, our first impulse is to retreat. Our first impulse is to go back where we came from, but sadly, this first impulse can keep us from the greater things that God wants to do in our life. Think about this. It's that retreat mentality. That retreat mentality that inhibits the development of disciples. It is that retreat mentality that stunts the growth of many churches. It is that retreat mentality that can hinder the progress of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we need to understand about these bridges we cross over and help us to avoid this retreat mentality. So what's the answer? What's the answer? Well, when times get tough, when things get boring, when circumstances come against you, when things just ain't going your way, You need to make sure that you understand that God encourages you to move ahead, to to move forward with Him. But we know that often that can be difficult. So how in the world do we move forward with God in all the circumstances of life? Well, one surefire way to keep moving forward with God is to burn the bridges behind you. Do you remember, friend, what God did for the Israelites as they crossed over the Red Sea on dry ground? Do you remember what God did for them? He closed up the sea behind them. And that was not only to uh, keep their enemies from getting them, it was also to, in effect... Burn the bridge so that they couldn't go back to Egypt. Friend, I want to encourage you that in the spiritual realm, there are times when you, times when I must make a decision. We must make a decision to burn the bridges behind us in order to achieve or to receive the best that God has in store for us. It's during those times that we must make a commitment to go forward with Jesus Christ. It's during those trying times that we must make a commitment to faithfully live for God Almighty. It is during those times that we must decide if our faith, if faithful living is truly worth the effort. Today... We're going to look at a man. We're going to look at a man that made a decision to burn the bridge that went back to his past. And he decided that he was going to live for God and live for the growth 
of His heavenly kingdom. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. I don't know what page that that is on the Bibles in front of you, but many of you can find Hebrews chapter 11, often called the Hall of Faith. And we're going to be talking about one such man this morning. In Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to begin in verse 23. The Bible says, By faith Moses, when he was born was hidden three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused. Say he refused. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction. What's wrong with him? Choosing to suffer affliction. Choosing to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches rather than the treasures he found in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. By faith, Moses forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, Moses kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood lest he should be destroyed and the one who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. And verse 29, by faith, they passed through. Notice that they didn't pass over. They didn't pass under. They didn't pass around. They passed through the Red Sea as though on dry ground. Whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. Now friend, today, I believe that this message could not have come at a more appropriate time. Because I believe that there are some of you here today, some of you listening online, that are considering following Jesus Christ in a very real way. For that to happen you're probably going to have to burn some bridges. Some of you are considering some other decision in your relationship with God. I want to tell you that if you want that to come into fruition, you're probably going to have to burn some bridges. Some of you are still praying You're still praying about how in heaven's name am I going to serve God during this season of COVID? Can I tell you that you're going to have to relinquish the right to your life to Jesus Christ. And you're probably going to have to burn some bridges. Because 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 15 encourages us in the church to remember that Christ died for all. That those who live, that's me and you, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died and rose again. Friend, are you to the point in your Christian life where you no longer live for yourself?
Are you to the point in your life, are you to that place where self is no longer your ultimate priority? For you to get to that place, there are probably some bridges that are going to need to be burned. It could be a bridge to an old relationship. It could be a bridge to an old lifestyle. It could be a bridge to an old habit. It could be a bridge to an old behavior. But whatever it is for you, and only you know what that bridge is, it's probably got to come down for you to move forward with God. Will you burn those bridges and live for Him who died for you and rose again? Let's see what we can learn from Moses about burning bridges. The first thing that I see in that passage If we're going to burn a bridge and live a life of faith in this world, first of all, there's a decision you got to make. There's a decision that we all have to make. Verse 24 says it, By faith Moses, when he became of age, he refused. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Let's face it. Some decisions are easy. Amen? I mean, if you got to go to the restroom, you get up and go. I mean, when you got to go, you got to go, right? Another decision to eat a meal. That's easy. Man, when your stomach starts grumbling in church, you got to start making plans to go to the fish grill, right? When you got to eat, you got to eat. When you get thirsty, that decision's easy. You get a little cotton mouth, you make your way to the water fountain, and you get a drink to quench your thirst. But some decisions, are difficult. The decision to go to the dentist can be difficult. I mean, we know that cavities can lead to severe pain, yet we routinely put off going to the dentist. The decision to go on a diet, I ain't getting personal, but the decision to go on a diet can be difficult. See, one secret to good health is a good diet. Yet how often do you and I eat things that cause high blood pressure, high blood sugar, or high cholesterol? But ooh, it's so good, right? The decision to have a surgery can be difficult. Now, I don't get that because here we got a doctor who's been in... Formal education for over a decade, learning about our bodies, and the doctor says, you need surgery. He says, you need surgery, but we let fear paralyze us into doing nothing about a potentially life-threatening problem. Friend, can I tell you that this decision to live for God can be a difficult decision. In fact, it's not only a difficult decision, it's a downright challenging decision. Why is that? 
Why is the decision to live for God so challenging? Well, first of all, the decision to live for God is it involves eternal matters that we can't even see. The decision to live for God involves changes that are going to probably make us uncomfortable. The decision to live for God involves worldly pressure that may be difficult for us to deal with. But the decision to live for God also involves this tug of war between two worlds, the flesh and the spirit. So let's look at how Moses made this decision. This incredibly challenging decision. Think about this. In Egypt, Moses was given great honor. But with God's people, Moses faced great suffering. In Egypt, Moses enjoyed life's greatest pleasures. But with God's people, he would inevitably have to embrace persecution. In Egypt, Moses enjoyed riches. Riches untold. But with God's people, he was going to face ridicule. But I have to tell you that when you look at what decisions that Moses made, living for life compels us to take a stand for God. It is a compelling decision. Are you to the point where you're willing to take a grip on that challenging and compelling decision to live for God? I read about Rosalie Bradford. Rosalie Bradford had the painful distinction of being listed in the Guinness Book of World Records for the world's heaviest woman. Rosalie reached a peak weight of 1,200 pounds. In fact, Rosalie was so overweight that her doctors said that she would die soon. So for Rosalie, this decision to lose weight was a compelling decision. No, it was, it was a life or death decision. But her decision was not only life compelling, it was also life changing. It was a life changing decision. And Rosalie lost almost 1,000 pounds. Rosalie Bradford lost almost a half a ton of body weight. The decision to live for God is also a life-changing decision. It's also a life or death decision. The first three words of verse 24 tell the whole story. By faith, Moses. By faith, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And that decision forever changed Moses' life. That decision changed Moses' priorities. 
It changed his values. It changed his friends. It changed his perspective on life. But that's what happens when we burn bridges. That's what happens when we make these life-challenging, life-compelling decisions to live a life of faith for God. We burn that, that bridge and we make a decision that that's exactly what we're going to do. But when we decide to burn bridges, there's also something else we need to consider, and that is worldly pressures that we got to overcome. The world ain't going to like it when you start living for God. The world's going to come against you when you start living for God. Worldly pressure can hinder us from moving forward both in our relationship with God and allowing God to use us for His glory. The world we live in will pressure us to yearn for the things that it provides rather than what God provides. Just look at the pressure that Moses faced. Think about this. Moses had power at his fingertips. He had power. Pharaoh was the leader of the entire Egyptian empire. And Moses was raised by Pharaoh's daughter. So Moses was a part of the royal family that had absolute authority over the entire empire. He had power right there at his fingertips. But you know, it was Abraham Lincoln who said this. Nearly all people can stand adversity. But if you really want to test somebody's character, give them power. You really want to find out what somebody's about? Give them power. Moses had power. All the power that one could imagine right there at his fingertips. But Moses also had the pleasures of royalty. Now listen, there is nothing inherently wrong with pleasure. God gives us all good things for for some pleasure. But pleasure can divide our loyalty. Pleasure can capture our focus and take it away from our focus on God. And it was Ben Franklin who says this. Many a person thinks that they're buying pleasure. When in all reality, they are selling themselves as a slave to pleasure. We have to be careful with pleasure. So Moses had all the power he wanted at his fingertips. He could enjoy all the pleasure of his lifestyle of royalty. But he also had abundant riches at disposal. And I can't speak for you, but I'd like to give that one a try. Amen? Moses had all the riches of the world at his disposal. Now again, there is nothing inherently wrong with money. There's nothing inherently wrong with prosperity. The problem comes is when it begins to possess us instead of us possessing it. And that can happen very easy. So we have to be careful. Now, there are two Bible verses that really sum up what God's attitude is about wealth. The first verse identifies what the real problem is with wealth and prosperity. It comes from 1 Timothy 6.10. And the Bible says, For the love of money is the root 
of all kinds of evil, which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So notice what the verse says. It's not the money that causes the sorrow. It's not the money that makes us stray from the faith. It's the love of it. It's the love of it. So we have the real problem, but then the second verse that I want to share with you discusses what God's attitude is about wealthy people, about the people who have this wealth. 1 Timothy 6.17 says, Command those who are rich. Command the wealthy people. Command those who are prosperous in this present age not to be haughty, that is prideful, not to be prideful, nor to trust in their uncertain riches, but rather trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. It's all about perspective, isn't it? We can't allow the riches to possess us, and we have to make sure that we're trusting in God to give us direction on how to be good stewards. So it's power, it's pleasure, it's prosperity that can hinder our faith. It's those things that can leave us willing to compromise the blessings of God with the things of the world. And we have to be careful with those pleasures. So these are the pressures that we face when we make a decision that we're going to live for God. In the book, The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, one Roman emperor, I believe his name was Marcus Aurelius, is quoted as saying this. He said, I have now reigned for over 50 years. I've reigned in victory and I've reigned in peace. I am beloved by my subjects. I am dreaded by my enemies and I am respected by my allies. In my life, I have diligently numbered my days of pure and genuine happiness and they totaled 14 days. 14. Days over a 50 year reign of the Roman Empire. See, in order for us to live a life of faith for God, in order for us to move forward with God, we have to make a decision. I got to burn that bridge. I've got to burn that. I cannot go back. I've got to burn that bridge. And not only can I do that, not only do I have to make this decision, but I know there are worldly pressures that I'm getting ready to face because the world don't like it when a person wants to live for God. Now finally, in order to live this life of faith, in order to burn that bridge behind us, we also must be motivated by the reward. In verse 26, we find a very important phrase. Moses looked to the reward. Moses was motivated by the reward that God promised. He was motivated by the reward that God had prepared for him. Okay, so what was the reward already? Well, I think that God had five of them. Five rewards that he had set aside for Moses. And I want to tell you this. It's also five rewards that he has set aside for you. If you'll make the decision to live a life of faith toward God and overcome the pressures of the world. 
Here they come. The first reward is God offered Moses a place to belong. There is nothing better than going home or coming to church in a place where you belong. For you, ultimately, it's a place called heaven. And the book of Revelation tells us a little bit about this place that all God's people belong. In Revelation 21 verse 3, John records this. He says, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. God offered Moses the reward of a place to belong with his people. He belonged with the people of God. You belong with the people of God. But God also offered him a purpose. See, God called him out from Egypt to lead God's people. Now, God may not be calling you to lead God's people, but he definitely wants you to be a useful instrument that he uses for his glory amongst God's people. What's the promise for you then? Well, just check this out. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, you've heard this verse all your life. It says, for we are his workmanship. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus by salvation in him that we are created for good works. You weren't saved by good works. You were saved for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. That's part of your purpose. That's part of your God-given purpose is to take up the gifts you've been given and use them for the glory of God. So God offered Moses a place to belong with God's people. He also offered him a purpose to lead the people of God. But he also offered Moses a promise. He looked to that reward. What's the promise for you, friend? Just listen to what John said in 1 John chapter 2. He said, this is the promise. I love it when God just spells it out for me, amen? He says, this is the promise that he has promised us. Here it comes. Eternal life. That's good news, friend. That's a reward. A reward in heaven. A reward not only in heaven, but a reward with God. And it's a promise of eternal life. But God also offered Moses a passion. A passion to endure. It was by faith that Moses Follow God. It was by faith that Moses worshipped God. A God who he couldn't even see. Do you ever find it difficult to worship the God that you can't even see? You know he's there though, don't you? See, God gives us that same passion. He gives us that same passion to endure, to endure temptations. Listen to what James said in chapter 1. He said, blessed is the man who endures temptation." For when he has been approved, he'll receive the crown of life, eternal life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Can I just say that if you're truly passionate about living for God, then you will endure temptation. You may not do it perfectly every time, but you're going to do it passionately every time. You're going to desire to live for God. 
And finally, God offered Moses a power to live under. In verse 29, the Bible says that the Israelites passed through the Red Sea. They passed through what was trying to hinder them from God's best in the promised land. We too, friend, are offered power. Power, friend, through God's Spirit within us to pass through the challenges of life. Many things are going to come against you in your life. There's going to be brokenness. There's going to be sorrow. There's going to be broken relationships. There's going to be all manner of tragedy that's going to come against you. But God will give you power through His Spirit to go through those challenges. The Bible tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power. A power and love and a sound mind. So Moses ended up rejecting the prosperity. He rejected the power. He rejected the pleasure. He rejected all privileges of Egypt. Why? Because they didn't offer him the satisfaction that he found in following the will of God. I pray that for you this morning. I pray that like Moses, the satisfaction of God's will far exceeds the attraction that this world offers. So what rewards do you seek? What rewards do you seek in this life? Do you seek the temporary corruptible things that are found in this world? Everything you see, look at me, everything you see is temporary. Everyone you see, earthly speaking, is temporary. It's all going to be gone one day. Do you seek those temporary corruptible things? Or do you seek the unseen Eternal things of God. There's an old gospel song that's called, I'd Rather Have Jesus. Now, don't be scared. I ain't going to sing it. Brother Howell, I'm going to stay in my lane. Amen. But I do want to share the lyrics with you. And it goes like this. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by His nail-pierced hands. I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather be faithful to His dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to His holy name. That song, that song could have been written by Moses. Who made the choice to forsake all the privileges of Egypt to live for God by faith? He'd rather have the Lord than all the riches and all the wealth and all the power that Egypt had to offer. So what about you this morning? As you reflect on your own life, are there some bridges that need to be burned? Do you find it too easy to go back where you came from? Do you find it too easy to go back to an old lifestyle 
Do you find it too easy to go back to what the world wants you to want? Are there some bridges? Some bridges that need to be burned in your life? You know the bridges I'm talking about. Do you need to burn the bridge of disobedience? If you're a believer, you know what God wants. Do you need to burn that bridge of disobedience? Do you need to burn the bridge of excuses? Died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died and rose again. Have you come to the place in your life where you've drawn a line in the sand and you say, I'm going over it and I'm not going back? Why? Because the bridge is burned. I'm not going back to a life of excuses and disobedience. Do you need to burn the bridge of guilt? If you knew me like I knew me, if you knew some of the things that the old Bill Barlow has done in his life, you'd be shaking your head. But see, I burned that bridge. I burned that bridge of guilt and shame because the Lord Jesus has forgiven me of my sins. Do you need to burn that bridge of guilt? Is there something lingering in from the old life that's hindering your life of faith with God? Maybe you need to burn the bridge of, of holding on to the old ways. Many struggle with that. Holding on to the old you. So listen to what I'm asking God for today. I'm asking God today to help us all to burn bridges that are holding us back from being everything that God wants us to be. I'm asking God today to help everyone here, everyone listening, to help us burn bridges that are holding us back from moving forward with God and moving forward to what He created us to be. I'm asking God to help us as a church to burn the bridges that are hindering us from being the church in this community that God has chosen us to be. God's got some rich, rich rewards in store for us all. But they come at a price. They come at a price of obedience. They come at a price of faith. And probably in most cases, they come with a price of burning that old bridge. So will you follow him today? Will you burn that bridge that leads you back to the old life? If you haven't, I pray you will today. In Jesus' name, let me pray for you.